Well, this week we are in chapter number 18 in our book, Spiritual Depression, which is entitled, In God's Gymnasium, In God's Gymnasium. And once again, the biblical text that Lloyd-Jones uses for this chapter is Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11, which says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And Lloyd-Jones begins this 18th chapter by reminding us that one of the ways God produces and promotes our sanctification, our growth in holiness, is through the means of chastisement. And by way of reviewing what he emphasized previously in chapter 17, in the introduction of chapter 18, Lloyd-Jones once again highlights how God brings about chastisement and why God brings about chastisement. In answering the first question, we are reminded that God brings about chastisement to grow us in Christ-likeness. God chastens us in order to safeguard us from certain temptations that are always threatening us. And such things include, but are not limited to, the danger of pride, self-satisfaction, spiritual smugness. And the danger of drifting away and becoming worldly, even without realizing it. Or putting it positively, Lloyd-Jones says at the bottom of page 247, that it pleases God to chasten His children in order to promote a spirit of humility and a spirit of meekness. Remember that humility is God's chief virtue. Humility is what God wants to work in our life above all things. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And so God brings about such things through the detailed circumstances of our life. So this answers the how question. Through losses and illnesses, physical weaknesses, persecution, death... And even through what Lloyd-Jones calls the withdrawal of His presence, God in His sovereign grace wants us to learn more about who He is, more about what He has done for us in Christ through times of 
chastisement. God wants us to mature in the faith. And God wants to bring about such things because, as the author of Hebrew notes, whom the Lord loves, He chastens. And this answers the why question. Why does God chasten? Why does God bring difficulty into our life? And the answer is, God does these things because He loves us. And through such difficulties... He wants us to know Him. Remember Paul's prayer in Philippians chapter 3. Paul said that I may know Him. And that word know is not speaking of an intellectual knowledge, but a personal experiential knowledge. Paul says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. Do you want to know Christ? Do you want to be more like Christ? Well, you cannot know Christ properly and you cannot grow in Christ's likeness unless you endure something of what He suffered. Remember Isaiah chapter 53. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was a man of sorrows who was acquainted with grief. From His birth to His death, He was forsaken disbelieved. He was persecuted. Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, went about doing good, and for that He was hated. Jesus Christ was treated like a common criminal, crucified, despised. And so, God brings chastisement into our lives so that we might know something of what Christ endured for us. And having established these truths as a foundational principle to understand regarding the topic of chastisement, Lloyd Jones introduces a new topic of consideration by stating there at the top of page 248 that chastening that comes from God does not automatically bring about what God intends for it to bring about. In other words, as Lloyd-Jones says, quote, the mere fact that we are chastened does not mean that of necessity we are going to benefit by it. And what he is emphasizing is the fact that the work of sanctification includes our involvement. If we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, if we are to become more and more holy, if we are going to respond to chastisement in a way that honors God, we must be doers of God's Word and not hearers only. We must respond to our trials, to our afflictions, to our troubles, to our chastisements in a right way if we are to benefit by it. And from here, Lloyd-Jones stresses that there is a wrong way of regarding chastisement and there is a wrong way of reacting to chastisement. And then spelling it out for us specifically at the top of page 249, Lloyd-Jones asserts that there are three common ways that you and I can respond wrongly to our trials, tribulations, and chastisement. 
And the first includes the danger of despising the chastisement that God brings into our life. The danger of despising. And under this point, Lloyd-Jones calls our attention to verse 5 of Hebrews 12, in which the author of Hebrews says, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. And the very fact that the author of Hebrews has to say, despise not the chasing of the Lord, teaches us then that this is a common temptation. It's a common temptation in the midst of our being chastened by the Lord to despise it. Now, what does this mean, to despise it? This means, as Lloyd-Jones says, to regard it loosely, to pay no attention to it, to shake it off as something light. And not take it seriously. And Lloyd-Jones says, quote, There is nothing so dangerous to the soul as to cultivate this impersonal attitude towards life, which is so common today. It is because of this that people become loosely attached to a husband or wife, loosely attached to their own family. It is because of this that they can walk out on their responsibilities and trample upon the sanctities, end quote. And what Lloyd-Jones is describing is the spirit of hardness, a lack of care, even a lack of emotion and sensitivity. It's the whatever attitude of millennials. Whatever. Something has gone on in my life, so who cares? Whatever. Uh, this careless and callous attitude can come into the Christian life and can cause people to despise the chastening of the Lord. So we need to be watchful of it and we need to avoid it. This is a danger. This is a wrong way to respond to God's training opportunities. A trial comes across your path. And so you brush it off, you don't look at it, you don't examine it, you don't ask yourself, well, what is God trying to teach me? What does God want to do in my life? How can I learn from this? You just say whatever and you push through in a cold and calloused way. As if God didn't send it. As if this is not a lesson for you. So Lloyd-Jones says, first, this is a wrong way to respond to the problems of life. The danger of despising. And then the second wrong way to respond to our chastening includes the danger of being discouraged by it. The danger of being discouraged by it. So first we have the danger of despising it. And then second, the danger of being discouraged by it. Hebrews 12:5 says, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint. When thou art rebuked of him. And here we find another real temptation. And the temptation involves the danger of fainting under our trials. The danger of giving up and giving in. Or the danger of feeling hopeless. And we all have been here, haven't we? We say to ourselves in the midst of severe trial, I can't take anymore. It's too much. This leads us sometimes to grumble, to murmur, to complain. Sometimes it leads us to question 
God's goodness and God's purpose in the midst of the trial. And this is the condition of the Hebrew Christians. Hebrew Christians were saying, we thought when we came to Christ in faith that we were going to have a marvelous life. But this obviously isn't the case because look at all the problems we're facing. And so they're asking themselves in the midst of their persecution, why are these things happening? Does God really care? Is this Christianity? Is the Christian faith true? And because of this, some who were converted from Judaism to Christianity were turning back to their old religion. They were turning back to Judaism. So the author of Hebrews, desiring to help them, says in this text, faint not. In other words, don't be discouraged in the midst of the storms. God is good. God has a purpose. God will work it all out for good. For whom the Lord loves, He corrects. Whom the Lord loves, He chastens. Whom the Lord loves, He rebukes and trains. So a second wrong way to respond to our chastening is by becoming hopeless. It's perfectly normal to be discouraged as a human, as a fallen human, living in a fallen world. We see that in Scripture. Even the best Christians in Scriptures had times that they were discouraged. But there's a difference between being discouraged and growing hopeless. Going around pretending that God is not God, God can't help God doesn't hear. God doesn't know. So I'm just going to live life as if God doesn't exist. Hopelessness. Lloyd-Jones is teaching us that's a wrong way to respond to chastening if you claim to be in Christ, if you claim to be a believer. And then the third wrong way to respond to our chastening from God includes becoming bitter. Becoming bitter. In the same chapter, the author of Hebrews says in verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So Lloyd-Jones says, some people react to the trials and troubles of life by becoming bitter, resentful, Self-centered, impatient, difficult with those who are trying to help them. Have you fallen prey to this temptation before? Maybe you've seen somebody deal with it. Somebody who had a sweet communion with Christ at one time. Somebody who was faithful in the service of the Lord and bitterness overcame their heart. And now they're altogether negative. They're unhappy. They're unwilling to forgive. They're unwilling to show grace. And often they're unwilling to listen to reason. Listen, bitter people will become blind to God's goodness and grace. Bitter people will say, well, everybody else is wrong. I'm the only person that's right. And then bitter people will... Not only be bitter toward men, but bitter toward gods. And that's their problem. 
They're bitter towards men because they're bitter at God. So we need to be careful and cautious, lest a root of bitterness plants itself in our hearts and our life. And let me just note here that none of us are immune to this. Let each of us take heed to this warning, lest we fall. I, have, I can tell you, in my fellowship with other pastors, dear, sweet, godly men who shepherded God's people, now today have just been swallowed up by bitterness. And when I see that, I pray, Lord, please, Keep me from developing that attitude. And all of us are susceptible. Remember, chapter 1 of spiritual depression, that Satan has many tactics in bringing depression into your life and taking you down. And I think one of the biggest ways, especially among the community of God's people, is through bitterness. And I think we could divide bitterness into two parts. There is an outward, seen, and known bitterness, and then there's that quiet, reserved bitterness. Some people's bitterness, you can just see as they walk through the doors of the church. It's just like, ice cold freezer, stay away. They've got something going on. (laughs) They're just dampening the whole spirit of the church. But then other people come in happy and joyful, but at home they are sulking in their bitterness. We need to be careful. We need to be watchful. Lloyd-Jones is bringing this out from Scripture so that we might avoid it, so that we might respond to our chastening in the right way. Lloyd-Jones says in the middle of page 251, quote, If we are guilty of any one of these three reactions, the things which happen to us will not help us at all. Even the chastisements of God will do us no good if that is the way we react. If we shake it off lightly, if we faint under it, if we become bitter because of it, it will not benefit us. The very chastisement that may be sent to us by God and meted out by God Himself will not profit us at all. End quote. So there is a wrong way of responding to our trials, our troubles, and our chastisements. And then Lloyd-Jones notes that there is a right way to respond. There's a wrong way, and there's a right way. And listing out the right ways for us, he says, the first thing we must do when we're chastened by the Lord is to behave as sons and not as infants. This is so good. Verse 5 again. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. And that word children means sons. And it melts into the next word. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. So the author of Hebrews is essentially saying, listen, You are no longer children. You are no longer babies. You are no longer infants. You are grown children. 
You are men. You are sons. You are adults. So pull yourself together and do not behave as a child would behave. You think my preaching is straight? This is the straightforward preaching of the author of Hebrews. The author of Hebrews is saying to God's people, stop crying. Take out your pacifier. Stop whimpering. Stop fainting. Stop sulking like a child would. You say that you're grown-ups, but you show that you are still babes in your behavior. So as grown-ups, you need to remember the word of exhortation that has been spoken by God. The author of Hebrews says, you've forgotten the exhortation. Now you need to remember it. What exhortation is he talking about? He's talking about the exhortation. He is speaking from the Proverbs. The author of Hebrews is repeating the same principle given in the Proverbs. Namely, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. So, as grown children who hear, who can think, who can reason, you need to call to mind the Word of God. You need to meditate day and night on the truths of Scripture. Because only Scripture can help you in the fight of faith. And the next thing you need to do is to listen to and follow the arguments of the Word of God. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. So Lloyd-Jones says, you need to believe what you read in God's Word. You need to let Scripture change your thinking. And you need to read Scripture not in some soft, sentimental, sappy, devotional way, but in an intelligent, reasonable way. And I think that hits us where we are today. Because so many people come to Scripture in this sappy, sentimental, devotional way. And what I mean by that is, they're focused on some emotion that they get from reading Scripture. They're, they're focused on some secondary truth that will help them feel better. No, you need to read Scripture to equip your mind for the fight. You need to have the mind of Christ. Let it change your thinking because what you think will affect what you do. What you believe will affect how you behave. So enough with this two-minute devotionals that you can just check off a box and throw away. Get into Scripture. Think about it. Apply it to your situation. That's what the author of Hebrews is telling these Christians to do. You've been given God's Word. You know the Old Testament. Now take up the sword of the Spirit and fight. You're not children. You're not babies. You're not to be spoon-fed. You feast on the meat of the Word. And that was the problem of these. The author of Hebrews and other places says, you're still on milk, unfortunately. You should be feasting on filet mignon by now. Grow up. You've cut teeth already. Eat. Feast. Be strong soldiers. You're like Saul's men, shaking at the knees. Be like David. Approach the giants that come into your life. If you will read the Bible in this way, you will see 
that God brings chastisement into our lives to demonstrate the reality of our faith. Just as an earthly father disciplines his children out of love, so our heavenly father disciplines his sons and daughters out of love. A child, when they get in trouble, thinks that mom and dad is just being mean when they pick up the rod and discipline. They're just full of anger. And that's why they're doing what they're doing. No. As you mature, you look back to those occasions and say, they were trying to help me. They were trying to warn me. They were trying to teach me lessons that I could not understand. But it's the difference of being a child and being a grown-up. God doesn't chasten us because He hates us. God chastens because He loves us. It's for our good. It's for our benefit. So these are the arguments of Scripture. This is the right way to respond to our chastisements. And it's only through our responding to our chastisement in the right way that we will grow closer to God through them. And then Lloyd-Jones says, this is God's gymnasium. The title of the chapter. God's gymnasium includes exercise. It includes work. It includes sacrifice. It includes laying aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us, and it includes exercising those muscles that, we are, that are weak and that need strengthening. And I like what Paul says in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And the context of this is not salvation by works. It's not that you can earn your salvation. It's not that you can merit eternal life. That's not what Paul is saying. He is saying if you've received Christ, if you are in the faith, if you are God's soldier, you need to now work out, implement the fruit of the Spirit in your life with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And so the analogy is one of an athlete, one of a soldier. God is our instructor. God is our personal trainer. God's our coach. Putting it into military terms, God's our drill sergeant. He's our commander-in-chief. He's the potter, we're the clay. And as our sovereign potter, God uses affliction and difficulty to build us. He uses these things to increase our faith and to develop patience and Christ-likeness. So Lloyd-Jones draws to a conclusion by saying that it is needful during times of chastisement, trials, losses, affliction, to examine ourselves, to see where we are within God's gymnasium. And in examining ourselves, we need to ask, number one, have I been negligent in my spiritual life? Have I been forgetting God within the trials of life? Have I become somewhat self-satisfied? Have I sinned? 
Have I done wrong? Am I depending on other things or other people for help? And then secondly, if we've done any wrong, we must acknowledge it and we must confess it to God. If we find any sin, any slackness, any unbelief, then we must come to God with a broken and contrite spirit asking Him for forgiveness. And in my devotional reading this morning, I saw this in the book of Judges. The children of Israel forsook the Lord and went to gods that were no gods at all. They started finding satisfaction in that which cannot satisfy. And then God allowed their enemies to come against them, chastisement. God allowed pagans to come in and discipline them. And then they turn to the Lord. And in their turning to the Lord, the Lord rebukes them rather sharply and says, you went to these gods in the first place. Why don't you go to them now and find help in them? See, he's testing their hearts. Are you just playing Christianity? You're just coming to me in a, in a jailhouse way when you find yourself in trouble? No. I'm not going to accept that just when you're in the... Uh, Bunkers of life, testing their sincerity. And then they again cry out, No, Lord, please, we've done wrong. We've sinned against you. And then it says, Then they forsook their gods. See, that's the sincerity. It's one thing to say that we're sorry so we can get out of trouble and know God's blessing. It's another thing to actually become serious about our walk with the Lord and then to forsake those idols and those gods and those false satisfactions so that we might serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth. We find another occasion in the book of Acts. Those who were involved in, in witchcraft, in satanic things, they took their books. What did they do with it? They burned it. We're done. We're not going to have any part in this worldliness and this wickedness and these satanic practices. And to show forth that we're serious about it, we're done with it. We're repenting. It's wrong. So, it's more than just confession. It's forsaking. Whoso confesseth and forsaketh shall have mercy, the Bible says. So, God in His Spirit is bringing to our attention attitudes and actions within our chastisements that aren't honoring to the Lord. Listen, right now, we need to part ways with them. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I'm sorry. Pray the prayer of Psalm 51. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this wickedness. Lord, you see all, you know all. I cannot hide from you and I'm, I cannot manipulate you. If there's anything in my life now that I'm responding to in a wrong way, Lord, help me, have mercy. And then following this, Lloyd-Jones says, we must pull ourselves together and stand up. We must lift up the hands which hang down, as verse 12 says. We keep exercising our faith and we continue on. Continuing on, following peace with all men and holiness. So, after we have fallen and failed the Lord, sometimes we've had a wrong attitude, we've been given to bitterness. What's the response? We confess it to the Lord, we forsake our wrong ways, and then we get up and keep going. The just man falls, how many times? Seven times, and then what does he do? Does he stay down? 
Woe is me. It's just not worth going on. I failed the Lord. He's not good enough to use me anymore. No. We hold on to the promise of Scripture. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God's mercy is new every morning. His faithfulness is great. So holding on to that truth, we say, Lord, if you can use people like David and Peter in their failure, surely you can still use me. It's not over. Lift up the weary hands, the weary legs, the weary hearts, and persevere in God's grace. Verse 14, follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. How are we to respond to our trials, our chastisements? Here it is. By pursuing holiness. And to pursue holiness is to pursue Christ. Seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's what we should do. We focus on Him. Same chapter, verses 1 and 2. This is the emphasis, Hebrews 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience, with perseverance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So boiling everything down to this one point, this is what we need to do in the midst of our chastisement. We look to Christ, our Savior, our Lord, the One who has died for us, the One who has suffered for us, the One who has endured trials and troubles in His life so that we might know Him in a saving way. How are you responding to the chastisements of the Lord? There are two ways. You can run from God or you can run to God. You can grow bitter or you can use these things to grow better. Just one little letter. Ron Hamilton, I think it is, who reminds us From bitter to better is just one little letter. E and I. Bitter to better. Which one? You want to grow better or bitter? Every every trial we can look at and say, Okay, Lord, this is a test. How's my attitude? What are my actions and reactions to this? And then, likewise, in this passage we see, Hebrews chapter 12, if one starts despising the chastisements of the Lord... If one remains continually discouraged, if one remains in bitterness for years, and they're never shaken out of it, then they don't look to Christ. Well, then we see that they're illegitimate children. They haven't been born again. The way of peace do they not know. Because we see in David, though he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, there's still that glimmer of hope there's still the knowledge that God is with him. There's still the knowledge that he's safe in the Father's hand and nothing shall separate him from Christ. Romans chapter 8, right? Uh, So we need to search that out. In the midst of our afflictions, in the midst of our trials, our chastisement, can we truly say 
that I'm my beloved and my beloved is mine. I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. It's not my keeping, it's his keeping. You see, that's salvation. Salvation is not about our keeping of him, but his keeping of us. First Peter talks about that. First Peter 1, we're kept by the power and the grace of God. And so that's how we endure. We're his sheep. And as his sheep, we follow on even in our trials and troubles because the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, comes to his sheep and encourages them in the way. Peter falls. Have mercy. Save me, O Lord. The Lord's there. You don't let them drown. You don't let them die. No, no, no. God doesn't do that with whom the Lord loves. He chastens. And what does he do? He picks up Peter and says, Oh, you of little faith. Why did Jesus say that? To hammer Peter? Just after failing? I mean, how harsh? No. To train Peter. Peter, your faith was lacking, and that's why you failed. But hopefully you'll learn it for next time, right? 